This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 267. If Federal Reserve Banking is the problem, then Fractal Reserve Banking is your solution. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode. You don't have to hear it from me, but you know intuitively that we are in a recession right now. Whatever your definition of recession is, we can all agree that dashboard lights are flashing red on the economy. It's not the booming economy that the Federal Reserve just mentioned a few months ago. But some may wonder, as the economy begins to falter, what makes the economy go up and down in the first place? I mean, the entire economy. In short, it makes sense that some part of the economy might experience a depression. For example, we might stop buying backpacks once school starts in the fall. So there's going to be a downturn in the backpack industry or a downturn in Christmas lights in January. But why would the entire economy experience a recession like we're going through now all at one time? The only answer is that there has to be an actor or ingredient that permeates the entire economy. Just like bread, the only way to have the entire loaf rise is to allow yeast to permeate the entire dough. So what is the yeast in this case? What is the one ingredient that is 100% integrated into every transaction across this economy? Well, you guessed it. The ingredient is money. Money is an economy-wide phenomenon, and every transaction includes money. So let's talk about two scenarios here. I think it'll help us understand why the economy goes into recession. In the first scenario, things go wonderfully right. And in the second scenario, things go terribly wrong. In scenario number one, the public begins to save more money. They're wanting to prepare for their future. Now, this means that banks have more funds to lend out. Since the banks have more funds to lend, interest rates on those loans will fall just to keep competitive. Just the way of nature here. This means that interest rates will stay low due to all of the available credit in the system the economy. Back to Econ 101 and supply and demand here. With more credit in the system, that's a greater supply. So this means that there's an even greater supply as people save more, and thus prices will begin to fall. Interest rates will begin to fall. And when interest rates fall, there's less risk to take on more speculative long-term investment projects. So for example, I can borrow money out to start my business even if there's very little chance of it ever becoming profitable. Let's say, for example, I own an auto repair shop today. It's a good, solid business. It's got a proven track record of being profitable. Nothing too risky about it. But I'm seeing the cost of money starting to come down. So I close my auto repair shop to invest in my bold new idea. I want to develop and sell the world's very first doorless microwave. Think of all the time people save in cooking when they don't have to open and shut that troublesome microwave door, when they're cooking their food with microwave radiation. That's right. The doorless microwaves are the microwave of the future. Of course, speaking truthfully, these probably won't be profitable businesses, but who cares? The money was so cheap to borrow. 
Now, long-term loans are much more sensitive to the changes in interest rates. A small change in an interest rate on a short-term loan does not really matter on my credit card. For example, you know, if I'm being charged 16% versus 17% on my credit card, it doesn't really matter. But if I've got a 30-year mortgage and interest rates go up or down by a quarter of a point, that's a big difference that I'll pay in the amount of interest on my mortgage over, say, a 30-year time period. Okay, so let's just step back for a minute. In our first scenario, the public is consuming less and they're saving more. This means longer-term investment strategies begin to be put to work and start to make sense. People are buying less at the mall. They're saving more at the bank which is lowering interest rates on loans, which means we can do a 30-year investment project. So maybe instead of just selling a doorless microwave, maybe I'm able to invest in projects like research and development, mining elements from the ground, et cetera, for that doorless microwave. And I'll be able to do that at a cheaper cost as well. Who knows? Maybe in my research and development, I'll find out that making a doorless microwave is extremely dangerous to people's health and maybe I'll decide to sell something much safer and healthier and more practical, like selling glow-in-the-dark sunglasses. Think about that one for a minute. All right. But regardless, the lower cost of money has made projects like this doorless microwave project more attractive to entrepreneurs. Jobs at the mall might start to disappear, but new jobs appearing in mining or hauling materials, things further up the economic supply chain... The more I go, the more I can see. When I have longer-term loans, I'm able to make longer-term decisions. So just to summarize, when interest rates are free to fluctuate and they're of their own free will, they coordinate the production across time and ensure the configuration of the production of a world economy. Now, let's take a look at scenario number two, where things go terribly wrong. In this world, the government establishes central banks like the Federal Reserve, and they have the means to raise and lower interest rates without any corresponding increase in the general savings rate of the average American. In this case, instead of the general public saving money and thus lowering interest rates among banks, the Federal Reserve is getting in the way of that relationship. They're forcing their finger on the scale of interest rates. This is artificial rather than natural. It's a crucial difference because it guarantees that there is no happy outcome. In this world, in scenario number two, people have not decreased their consumption spending. In fact, they're being encouraged to buy bigger and bigger homes, take out more and more student loan debt, credit card debt, and more. So if you're an entrepreneur in scenario number two, like in this case, I might be incentivized to rush that doorless microwave to market without waiting around for 5, 10, 30 years to do mining, research and development for all that hard labor to come to fruition. I want to take my profits right now. Thank you very much. The public is demanding this doorless microwave, so I believe. Who am I to get in the way of what people want? So I rush that doorless microwave to market. And of course, people aren't saving because interest rates are so low. So I'm giving away my doorless microwave and people are ready to buy it. And the public is buying so much stuff that they're taking out credit cards and going deeper into debt, but it's low interest and manipulated debt. So what me worry? Not just doorless microwaves, but five cars. They're buying five cars. They're buying their third McMansion. They're buying a pony for every kid in the house. I mean, what could possibly go wrong here? Now, without the higher levels of production, again, things like R&D, market research, the economy begins to be built on project after unprofitable project just like my doorless microwave business, which becomes unsustainable. Instead of a balance of long-term projects and short-term projects where 
ill-advised businesses like doorless microwaves would have been stopped in their tracks early on. You know, maybe I would have done a focus group to find that the public does not care about my doorless microwave. Instead, it's all just rushed to the market. And I've not just brought something bad to market. I've also taken away perfectly good people and resources from the economy for my stupid doorless microwave idea. And those who do buy my doorless microwave product are worse off than they would have been had I not quit my auto repair shop at the beginning. So the insights and wisdom that would come from a healthy, natural relationship of saving and free market interest rates are totally gone. Jobs are pushed into weird, unnatural sectors of the economy. So why work as an auto mechanic or trucker or in the mining business when I could just work at the mall and sell doorless microwaves? So it's an economy-wide discoordination. This cheaper and cheaper money at our disposal will be building up riskier and riskier projects. We'll build up the price of homes or college tuition and really just about everything else. This is where inflation gets its root because someone had their finger on the scale of natural interest rate adjustments. Of course, this unnatural path is going to reverse itself. And it's going to result in the loss and bankruptcies of many, many people. The boom ultimately turns to bust, and the economy will try to readjust itself to bend toward the buying habits of the consumer. This is why it's so crucial that the Federal Reserve just stay out of trying to pick and choose interest rates for the economy. If you're manipulating the interest rates unnaturally, it merely will delay or even exacerbate what would otherwise be a natural and healthy relationship of saving and spending, saving and spending. Bailing out companies that are too big to fail with taxpayer bailout money prevents people from leaving their jobs at the mall to go find a more appropriate place to work. It keeps capital in the wrong hands. People still out there selling doorless microwaves instead of letting that terrible market idea go bankrupt so the capital can go to entrepreneurs with their head screwed on right, selling products that actually benefit the consumer, that consumers genuinely demand. And the unhealthy scenario of number two, when the public stops spending and starts saving, that's seen by the Fed as a threat to the economy. And of course, we're living in scenario number two. This is our real world. The Fed has manipulated the money supply. This is not a controversial or even political statement. Manipulate is the word the Federal Reserve uses themselves. It's in their charter documents, actually. This is why your bank interest rate has been effectively so small for the last 40 years. Does it bug you that you are being manipulated, again, to use their word, it, that you are being manipulated to spend your money? It's not an accident. This has been a purposeful move to get us to spend money. How does that make you feel? That you've been artificially incentivized to buy all the junk in your house. That you've been handed the drug of debt, all that debt you currently have or have had in your life. A guy named Ludwig von Mises, great economist, has a great metaphor for this. A metaphor of a master builder building a house. An economy stimulated by artificially low interest rates is like a master builder engaged in the task of building a house but he does not have enough material to complete the house. So if he can discover his predicament early on and limit the damage, he can knock down the house or start a much smaller project, a much smaller house. Or maybe he could alter his blueprint to finish the house successfully. But what if we hid all of his materials from him, told him maybe even that he had an infinite supply of nails, drywall, cement, etc. And worse, what if we got this master builder totally sloshed, drunk, and we deceived him into thinking he had way more building materials than he actually does. Won't this put the builder in a far worse situation than before? 
Sure, maybe it delayed his disillusionment. Maybe it delayed his disappointment for a little while. But now he's got a much worse situation. Now the entire project will have to be torn down and all the labor, all the hours, all the materials will be wasted. The artificially stimulated economy is like the master builder. We've all become drunk with low interest rates and the Federal Reserve has been spiking the punch bowl at the party. So guys, this cannot go on forever. The media will describe the problem in the bust period of the economy. When you go through a recession, everything gets scrutinized. It's sort of like the hangover. Oh man, why did I have those five shots of tequila with the swimming pool cocktail? But the real problem was actually in the boom years. The artificial boom gives the superficial impression of prosperity. All the two by fours and bricks and cement of our house were laid improperly. The economic boom of the last few years from 2011, let's say, to 2022, and really since the mid-1980s when interest rates really began to fall, sure looked like a good thing. We've had a great stock market run, and it's actually been a bad thing. It's a misallocation of resources. And while the recession is painful, it's a necessary stage whereby resources can be redeployed into more appropriate parts of the economy that will satisfy all of us with products and services we actually want. It's like trying to hold a beach ball under the water. The further and deeper you try to push that beach ball, the faster and the higher it's going to shoot up out of the water when you let go. And no one can hold that beach ball under the water forever. The Federal Reserve has been holding down interest rates low, like a beach ball, under the water for the last 40 years. And over the last year, they've been trying to slowly raise that interest rate up without causing a recession. But the beach ball of inflation rates is really out of control. If they succeed in bringing interest rates back down again, it'll just make the problem worse. It's more misaligned companies with misaligned resources, more doorless microwaves to be built instead of companies making things we actually need. Whether it's a spectacular rise in tech stocks or a real estate bubble or cryptocurrencies or NFTs, there will always be wild speculative manias at the high parts of the boom cycle. What's the common denominator with all the economic cycles like we're going through right now? is the manipulation of money and credit by the Fed, Wall Street, bankers, and speculators who try to game the system to make profits during the boom period. And then they'll point fingers at each other and us during the bust period, like we're going through right now, this year. Guys, the real villain is not greedy corporations, not supply chain issues, not Russia. The real villain is the institution of the central bank. Banking has been at the heart of much misery in our world, according to David Graeber. He wrote a book called Debt, the First 5,000 Years. Debt, 5,000 years of debt. How many lives, marriages, families have been broken over that four-letter word? So what's the solution here? Do we, quote, end the Fed, as some people have suggested? If that's your goal, more power to you, and we're cheering you on. But just being honest here, you're pushing against a 100-year-old institution with trillions of dollars of ammunition at their disposal. So even if you got your party in the White House or in Congress, will banks really let go of this cartel control of the world? I'm not being pessimistic. I'm just trying to be realistic here. If you want to see true freedom from the banking system and live something closer to scenario one during your lifetime, you can do it. Yes, yes, you can do it. We may not be able to wave a magic wand to make the world we want today, this moment right now, but we can opt out of the banking system one person at a time, one family at a time. Please realize that banking is a verb and banks are a noun. I know that sounds a little weird to say, but 
I'm not very good at English here, so I'm going to start very simple. David Graeber, in his book that I mentioned earlier, Debt, the First 5,000 Years, he chronicles 5,000 years of banking. But banks in their current formation are a relatively recent phenomenon. Banking seems to be core to the human experience. It's central to our humanity. It's as central to our humanity as friendship or art. But banks, and especially central banks, are a relatively new mutation. Is it a cancer we could maybe cut out? What makes us think that they have to live in our system? That's our humanity here. If central banks and the federal banking system is the problem, then fractal banking could be your solution. When you have a tool like the bank on yourself designed dividend paying whole life insurance policy at your disposal, you're engaging in fractal banking. When you own a bank on yourself type policy, your money is going into life insurance companies, which are not banks. They are not part of the banking system. They are a separate entity, not under the Federal Reserve. So you're not helping to perpetuate the system of the Federal Reserve by adding deposits of your hard-earned cash into a banking system run by this Federal Reserve Central Bank. You're not adding to the problem by adding money to their bank vaults. Because of course, it doesn't even stay at the bank's vault. Your deposits that you send to your regular bank are immediately loaned out at cheap rates, adding to the problems that we've been talking about in this episode and the last. Now, I know it sounds like a far reach to say that your bank savings or money market accounts or CDs or brokerage accounts are contributing to a global domination of unnecessary SPACs, IPOs, and meme stocks pushing useless ideas, but it's true. According to a financial stability report of the Federal Reserve in November 2020, the Federal Reserve worried at the, in the midst of the global pandemic, that life insurance companies in the United States were going to have enough cash on hand to handle COVID claims. Now, that's kind of interesting. The Federal Reserve was concerned about life insurance companies having enough cash to handle the excess people passing away due to the pandemic. Here's what they said. They said, quote, the main concern is that in these low interest rate environments, insurers, insurance companies, are investing assets with less liquidity and an inability to cope with a sudden rush of claims could potentially threaten the economy. My, 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 like the pot calling the kettle black here. Now, two years later, life insurance companies have been fine. They carried themselves through the pandemic with impressive resilience. It's been business as usual, at least with the insurance companies that I track and work with. Now, meanwhile, the Federal Reserve is the one in the hot water as the world economy suffers under the Fed's multi-decade manipulation with now double-digit inflation and a new recession to boot, all because of this low interest rate environment that the Fed was creating in the first place. Is this the ironic funny or is this the ironic sad that we're thinking through here? It feels so nice that we can opt out of this system that the Fed created. We don't have to add to their problem. We have a particular solution generated for you, for every individual who decides to put your money in another system. It's one dollar, one vote all over again. We don't have to drink from the Fed's spiked punch bowl. We don't have to experience the hangover. In fact, when we have a bank on yourself designed whole life insurance policy, we have cash ready to go when the world goes through their withdrawal, nursing their hangover with all those misaligned resources during the boom period, and they start putting things up for auction during the bust period, we as fractal bankers, fractal bankers can swoop in and make the best deals of our life and become truly great investments in our portfolio. Okay, so why do I call it fractal banking? 
It's not just some sort of cheesy moniker. In mathematics, a fractal is a geometric shape containing detailed structures that scale down or scale up at similar or various scales. The larger you zoom out or zoom in, more shapes appear that seem to bear a resemblance to the rest or the original shape. The best way I can describe this is with nature. Look at a fern plant in your garden. Every leaf on that fern resembles the entire plant. For example, you could also look at trees, rivers, coastlines, mountains, clouds, seashells, hurricanes, etc., 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 even our human body. Now, what if instead of one central bank, we had a fractal banking system? That would mean that every family would be its own central reserve. Imagine that for a minute. Instead of one central bank determining the money supply, each of us would be in control of our own money supply. Instead of banks collecting interest off our backs, raking us through the coals of their debtor's prison, each of us would be able to benefit from the interest we pay to ourselves. It would be bringing the banking function back into our lives. Instead of outsourcing it to another bank down the street or across the world, we could become our own banker. It would bring the banking function to the you and me level again. Imagine if we outsourced other parts of our life that were central to our existence to a central federal authority. For example, imagine if we allowed a central authority to manage all of our friendships for us. What if they told us who we were going to marry, for example? What if they told us what food to eat every day? Would we think that that was totally strange and oppressive? Of course. So why should banking be any different? If aliens landed on this planet and heard that one central institution controlled the private contracts of business owners and their local banks all around the world, that somehow one central institution should know how much interest to charge Joe the farmer in Idaho or me with my doorless microwave business, the aliens would think of all of us as crazy. So what are our takeaways here? Okay, so the main takeaway is that you, you have the ability to break free from the banking system and take back control of your future and that of your families. There is the hope. If you're bothered by what you see in the news, whether it's Wall Street or politics, you do not have to be sucked into their tornado of fiscal insanity. You can engage in fractal banking, not setting up some FDIC insured bank. I'm not talking about that at all. And thank goodness. Instead, you are banking the verb you are banking. You're bringing the banking function back to your life, bringing it back down to the you and me level. And when the world goes through its hangover, we pray for the people who are going through that and the pain they might experience, but we're also preparing to make the best investment decisions of our lifetime. So now's your chance. If you haven't already started to set up your own fractal reserve, now's your chance to do it. Go to notyouraveragefinancialpodcast.com, click on request a meeting, and we'd be happy to have a 15-minute discussion about how you can create your own money supply and break free from the federal banking system one by one, person by person, family by family. It's a privilege and an honor to get to work with our clients, and I'd be honored to meet with you as well. So again, that's notyouraveragefinancialpodcast.com and click on request a meeting. Thank you everyone for joining me for this week's episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think differently about your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join the financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting.
The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.